everybody. Welcome to Lime Bites with Isabella and Morgan. I'm Isabella. And I'm Morgan. So Isabella, can you talk some about why we started this podcast? So we started this podcast because we wanted to create an environment where we could be honest and open about our different Lyme disease journeys. And we could be a place that people can relate to and kind of hear both the negatives of our journeys, but also the positive experiences we've had and what we've learned about ourselves. So we just wanted to create an atmosphere that everyone can relate to no matter where they are in their journey. What about you? What do you think? Yeah, I totally agree. I think I've really struggled with finding people who have gone through our experiences like at such a young age, especially like being physically disabled in some aspects, like I feel like older people can relate to that more than people who are our age. I totally agree with that. I feel like people are always like referring to me like I'm like a 90-year-old woman, (laughs) which no offense to those ladies, like they're very strong and powerful, but we're 20 years old and we're just trying to get through college and other things in our lives. And sometimes it can be hard when your friend group or your family doesn't really understand exactly what you're going through they just know that you're suffering in some way Mm -hmm. so this was really important to us and it's good for our own healing journey because we're still going through it absolutely and even my friends and family have come to understand more through me sharing my story so this is part of what can help with that too i agree yeah so speaking of which can you tell me a little bit about yourself So I am 20 years old, but my Lyme disease journey started about 10 years ago. I'm almost at the 10-year mark, which is crazy. We need to get you a cake. Very exciting. (laughs) So it started for me in middle school, which was really just a unique experience, I think, because most middle school kids don't find themselves being extremely sick or missing out on a lot of activities and things like that. But I started getting this weird feeling that my arms and legs were filled up with air, which like I went to a few doctors and they were like, okay, she's crazy. Like that's all we can do. But it actually took my mom's women's health doctor who was like in integrative medicine to just like stare at me for a little bit and listen to my story and be like, hey, have you ever heard of Lyme disease? So that's kind of where I started. But I know for you, it was a little different. It was a little bit later. Like, actually, when we were pretty good friends. Yeah, at that point. when this all started for you. So tell us about that. Yeah. So even before the whole Lyme just diagnosis, I'd had, like, really bad gut health. Basically, like, since I've been, like, in diapers, potty training. But we didn't really know what to do with that. I just accepted it as part of my body, like part of who I was. And I was like, that's okay. Everyone has something that's going on with them. This is mine. Yeah. And beginning my sophomore year of high school, I felt like I was having panic attacks, which is bizarre because I'm not someone who's ever had anxiety, depression, any mental health disorders. And they kind of came out of nowhere. Well, it took six months, but we figured out that I had something called POTS, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, where I would have these episodes where my heart rate would increase, where normally a normal person is like 60 to 70 beats a minute. Mm -hmm. Mine would go up to like 120, 140, which mimicked the symptoms of a panic attack. So that's why it took a while to get diagnosed. But once I did, things were pretty good for a while. That was my sophomore year. Junior year, things were good. Senior year, COVID happened and I wound up getting COVID. And that just made my POT symptoms way worse. So then through the course of those next few months, I was like, well, there has to be something else besides just the POTS at this point, because we kind of treated the POTS symptoms and those weren't really getting better. So, and I remember about your journey a little bit of like, every time we 
thought you were, you thought that you found something that was the answer. Like you'd be mm-hmm. like, oh, it's panic attacks. Oh, it's this. And everyone would be like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, that tracks. And then all of a sudden you'd be like, well, it's not getting better though. And I feel like that was like one of the things that was hard to see happen for you is just like you kept kind of getting an answer and then it was pulled away. Like yes. The answer pulled away. Or we so. would get an answer and we would kind of address it and like, oh, this treatment's going to take two months. And two months later, well, your numbers are better, but why don't you feel yes. better? Yeah. So then around, I would say May, you were one of the people that really recommended checking into Lyme. And my doctor at the time was like, no, like there's no real reason to like, I'll treat you the same regardless. But we did, and I got that diagnosis September of what initially was my freshman year of college. Yeah, I was there yeah. very briefly, but I did have to come home to pursue treatment, and I took that as a gap year. I did lots of therapies that I'm sure we can get into later. Yes, and definitely. Yeah, I took the time to really just heal, rest, eat like clean, organic food, sleep 12 hours a night if I needed it, and then I started my freshman year of college round two this year and it was much much better (laughs) which we are so excited about yeah and one of the things i think similar in both our stories is that something about lyme disease if you're listening and you don't know anything about it or you know a little bit you have it you're just starting your journey um lyme often travels throughout your body and kind of attacks different like systems so we've had similar experiences of like your stomach and your GI system, your like neurologically affects you, cardiovascular, like Mm -hmm. we both kind of, you had the pots. Yeah, like you have the joint issues. Yeah, the joint issues, I had the heart problems, like where I briefly thought that I was having some strange like heart palpitations. Oh, I had the heart palpitations. Yeah, (laughs) and then they're like, oh, that's not it. Your heart's fine. So it's a lot of going to different doctors basically to check things off the list and say Mm -hmm. like, okay, you don't have that, but you still have something wrong with you. Yes. And that's also challenging because you get bounced around between the different specialties. Yes, definitely. Because my cardiologist was like, yeah, I mean, your POTS isn't that bad. He said it very respectfully. And I do love that man. (laughs) Shout out to Dr. Gambo. He's the best. But you go to a cardiologist and then it's like, well, that doesn't really address everything. So then you go to an endocrinologist and they're like, well, your numbers are a little off but not so severe that you should be having this. And then they suggest someone else. And then no one really gets together and talks. Yes, I noticed that a lot too. Mm-hmm. There's no communication. And a lot of people get frustrated by that because you're like, well, this doctor said this, this one said this. Mm-hmm. And then you're thinking to yourself like, okay, if I have a problem that's going all through my body, why are you all not communicating? Mm-hmm. Which, you know, there, I'm sure there's various reasons for that, but it can yeah. be very frustrating. I'm not sure if you actually knew this, but like, if I did not get the POTS diagnosis, our next step was Mayo Clinic. Oh, I didn't know that. that. Actually, I that was one of my next steps uh-huh. for Dr. Kelly. Sure. But with any specialist, there's always a long wait. Mine was going to be two years before yeah. I got into that clinic. So, yeah. But yeah, okay, I kind of remember that mm-hmm. a little bit. Because yeah. it got to the point where I was missing my sophomore year, I probably attended like I don't know. At the beginning, I missed a ton of school. I was doing mostly half days because my body, like I was just exhausted. Yeah. My heart rate was so high. We couldn't figure out what was going on. I could not sit in a classroom. So we went to my pediatrician and he was like, if you cannot figure this out, she is not in a great, like she can't function as a person. And I remember we had a class together. We had, mm-hmm. I don't, was it sophomore year? We had mm-hmm. APS history. We did. And that was really when you were like, 
going through it the most yeah. with like when we thought it was panic attacks mm-hmm. I remember and it was a lot of like okay like you could come in for a little bit uh-huh. and then not and then you had to leave for a little bit and it was just uh-huh it got really complicated yeah, yeah. I actually I remember I would go to the bathroom because it was a place that was quiet yes, and cold yeah. and for your autonomic nervous system cold does a really good job of regulating it and like yeah. if you are having a flare-up you can like what I would do is I run my hands under the cold water and press it to my chest. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know what I was doing at the time was helping that system, but I, yeah, that's interesting. I just knew that that was the only thing that made me feel good. Yeah. It's, it's, I think one of the things that's most interesting about my Lyme journey is that I have zero medical experience. I did not go to school for any of that. I try to avoid anything medical, (laughs) but I feel like I've had to learn a lot about like the human body and how it interacts from having Lyme disease because the doctors are throwing all this information at you and you kind of have to make sense of it. So you have to read about it. You have to like, you know, ask questions to the people who are more experienced in that field and like then you find yourself like telling people things and telling your story. And like, it sounds like you actually know what you're talking about because you've had to learn so much about it. I yeah, feel like. absolutely. And you need to be educated enough to ask those questions. Yeah. Like when they dump all the information on you, you can't just be like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like you need to be able to interpret it. Yeah, and you can just be like, all right, sounds good because this is what you're dealing with for the rest of your life, essentially. Yeah, so, potentially. you know, I love my parents and how much they've helped me, but. I also have to kind of know my own body, my own health and Mm -hmm. how to help myself because you're not always going to have someone there to hold your hand through the whole journey, you know? But I do want to say I have been really, really fortunate. Like my mom, especially, she's been great. She's been the one, honestly, who's come up with like the questions, like the hard hitting ones. Like she's the one who will analyze my lab values and be like, hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. My mom's the same way. I feel like we both got lucky with that. Mm -hmm. We're like, my mom comes with her big binder. Oh, the binder. And she's like, okay, let's go back to the very beginning. And like sometimes we've gone to doctors and they've been like, oh, yeah, like we couldn't get access to your results or anything. My mom's like, here, I have it in the binder. And I have a printout just for you. Yeah. And I'm like, I have no idea what she's doing, but I know she always has under control. Yes. So, and I, that's something we want to talk about more in other episodes of like how it's affected our relationships with family members mm-hmm. and who's kind of stepped up and been helpful. And, how maybe it's put a little strain on, sure. I don't know if you felt that at all, but I know it's made it a little harder. Like when I was really going through like my extreme symptoms where I felt like I couldn't like go out and do things. And I know that makes it a little harder for friendships and relationships. No, and, like, absolutely. People trying to understand that you have to take space for yourself, but also being like, why can't you come to anything? Why can't yeah. you do anything? You know? Or why do you want us to keep inviting you if you keep saying no? That too, that's really yeah, hard. That's been a big thing. Mm-hmm. So where would you say like that you are now? Like, yeah. I always like to, you know, since it's been almost 10 years for me, like, mm-hmm. I like to look at what I was like before and what I'm like now. Where would you say you are, like, in that kind of yeah, journey? Yeah, like a little check-in. So, for reference, I drove here today using a car, yes. might I add. <laughs> yeah, during my absolute worst, driving was out of the yeah. question. Because I was lightheaded. I was having, like, these heart palpitations. Yeah. I did not feel safe driving. Yeah. Which yeah. is hard. Like, if I think of just really quick to kind of enter what you're saying. Sure. One of the struggles of Lyme disease is the sacrifices we've had to make mm-hmm. because we know in the long run it's better for us. And yeah. for you, driving was one of them, which mm-hmm. you're like, okay, I'm in high school, I'm in college, like I should be able to go out and do things. Yes. So 
the fact that you drove here today is great. Yeah. I'm so excited for that. Yes. And especially like going back to that, like I felt like I was in middle school having my mom drop me off yeah. everywhere or being that person like, hey, can you give me a ride? But it really was what was best for me at the time. Yeah. And like, it's such a big deal for me to be able to drive and not just drive, but drive and feel good. Yes. That's the key mm-hmm. part, I think, is like not just forcing yourself to do something that you know you have to do, but knowing mm-hmm. like, hey, I don't feel so bad doing this. I'm yes. not afraid. Like, those are such good like measures of progress which Mm -hmm. I think is so important when you have Lyme disease like you have to take baby steps and you have to be like okay this might sound little like to everyone else listening they might be like okay she drove a car she's 19 she drove a car you're like oh my gosh but you don't even understand like this is actually a lot of progress yeah and even my parents have noticed they're like you are driving so much like I I've just been like, I can't even think. Like, I went to Target the other day just because I felt like I needed something. Yeah. And I didn't even announce that I was going. Yeah. I just went. Yeah. And the fact that you're just able to do that and able to actually, you know, have a job, do things mm-hmm. you enjoy. Yeah. And, and have not... the confidence. Yes. Yeah. The confidence is most important. I definitely feel yeah. that. But how about you? Where are you on your journey today? I mean, I would say that I'm doing a lot better than I was before. I mean, there were some days when I first got diagnosed in middle school where, like, I couldn't even get out of bed. I was so Mm -hmm. tired or I was in so much pain because my body hurt or I had some random injury that there was no explanation for. But at this point, like, I am active. I'm a lot happier. Um, I have a few things here and there that come up, but I would say, like, the doctors have been able to actually come up with like a pretty sound treatment where like if I do have those flare-ups, like they're able to kind of quickly like treat them and kind of calm them down. You've got plan like A, B, and C versus we don't know what's going on. Versus, well, let's just, you know, treat it as we go. You Mm -hmm. know, we kind of know like what the triggers are for my body. And about three years ago, I added on a chronic migraine diagnosis. So I would say that's the only thing that I still am trying to work on and trying to figure out because it's so new. Um, but other than that, like being able to go to college um, and being able to have a job and, you know, actually like live a normal life and be like a 20 year old, like that's been, I think, the most like proud like moment for me. It's just that I'm able to actually do things. And other people notice it too, which I think is so funny. Like, I've gone to like a few family things and they're like, oh, that's so like you're out and about, you're doing this. Oh, you look great. You seem like you're feeling good. Like that means a lot that goes a long way because some days you get up, you would, I would get up and look in the mirror and be like, oh my gosh, like my life is a mess. I look like a mess. Yeah. I'm not happy, you know? Yeah. So it's a lot of good progress, I think. That's great. Even at my absolute worst, I had one of my mom's friends who, God bless her, she like was one of the people who drove me to the half days when I wasn't able to go to full days. She told my mom, she just looks pale. Like almost gray, I think was the word that she used, which I'm the pasty person. Like I'm already pale. I don't need any extra gray or whatever on top of that. I don't need to add anything on. But But even I've seen those people since and they're like, you just look so like full of color. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. just, I feel like we both have a lot more energy. Like if you asked me to do this podcast, like a I don't know, two years ago Mm -hmm. even, I might have been like, "Mm, no, I definitely (laughs) don't feel like I'm able to do that. But just being able to, you know, make this conversation and like actively like invest in like our healing journey, because it doesn't just stop when you, you know, the medication like is done or when you feel like your symptoms are gone, like you're 
that part's the easy part almost of ending, but you mm-hmm. still have to, you know, work on now improving yourself, improving your mental health and yes. everything like that. Yeah. Which is pretty important. No, the mental part's harder, if anything, for me, which it's more scary because you have less metrics and it's more just mm-hmm. a lot of deep diving. Yeah. And-, and we talked a lot about how we have spent a lot of our life just waiting for the bad to happen. Mm-hmm. And expecting the bad to happen. Yeah. Uh And I feel like I'm finally at a point where I'm trying to now be like, let's expect that things are going to stay stable Mm -hmm. and okay. And that's, I like that really hard to make that mind shift. Like it's not an easy thing to be like, okay, like I'm fine. I feel Mm -hmm. fine. Nothing bad is going (laughs) to happen. Like, cause there were so many times in previous years where I would think that and then I'd be like, Oh, here's this now. So that's been like, something that I've been trying to work on for sure. Yeah. A big deal for me is recently my second semester of college, I would have almost an event on my calendar, say miscellaneous, whatever club Mm -hmm. meeting, basically every day. I remember one day I had four just events and previously I would have had to pick one or two to just focus on. And the other two is, it is what it is. You know, it's a wash, but I was able to do all four and I felt Fine. That's awesome. I felt I got back to my dorm and I wasn't drained. I wasn't yeah. exhausted. I didn't yeah. have to lay down. Like I was able to just go and do. And I was like, oh, this is what it feels like. This like this is, is great. I was like, yeah. Uh-huh. Even just like seeing your calendar full is like, wow. Yes. Like this is different. Like, like I have to balance things out a little bit. Uh-huh. It's crazy. Yeah. So what are some of the things that you want to talk about like in future episodes like what are some of your priorities of things that you think people need to hear yeah I definitely think an episode for like what family and friends can do to support us is Mm -hmm. great because I know like if I have a friend let's say like with generalized anxiety disorder Mm -hmm. I've never really had that so Mm -hmm. I need them to tell me like how I can best like support them during all of that I think that's really good that's important because a lot of times people ask me that like like what are you like if they find out someone in their family uh-huh. has like any other chronic illness because they're all equally hard to deal with sure. and they'll be like oh like, what can I do for them and I'm like well I don't really know yeah. like let me think about that like, let me wait, get back let to you reflect on yeah. what I could have used uh-huh. before yeah, yeah. No, that's, so that's really one. good yeah. yeah what about you anything specific I think one of the things I really want to focus on another episode is what life has looked like for us being away in college and Mm -hmm. dealing with this a little bit more independently because we're both out of state. I'm at the University of Louisville and Morgan. I'm at Butler University in Indianapolis. So So we both chose to go out of state, a little distance away from the family, but not too far. And there have been some ups and downs for that, I feel like. Oh, yeah. So (laughs) we can definitely talk about that a little bit, share some interesting stories that we have. Anecdotes. Yeah. Uh A lot of what we want to do with this podcast is like, be serious and talk about the struggles, but also like laugh a little about it because that's all you really can do sometimes <laughs> is just be like, you know what? Like this has to be a joke. Some of the things I've gone through because it was really hard. So mm-hmm. you got to make some jokes about it, share some funny stories for sure. No, absolutely. That's the only way to get through. Really. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. So thanks for listening to our first episode. <laughs> thanks we, for tuning in. <laughs> yeah. We're, you know, bear with us that we have never done anything like this before, no. but we're really excited and Hopefully we can in the next few weeks start releasing more episodes and things we want to talk about. Maybe have some special guests. I don't know yet. I have a few ideas Uh and I'm sure Morgan does too. 
but we will try and provide some updates as we start to figure out this podcast journey. Yes. Well, thank you for following along with us for our journey and our story. And we will see see you you. next time.